So this is the last um, day of the this particular group form. Just thought I'd feel interested in um, saying a few things. And again, it's in many ways it's nothing, nothing new. But there's always reminder, some overviews because meditation is very much an individual thing, and also where each of us is at in terms of our karma, our process, our what's coming up for us, it's very individual. But there are, there are common trends. Exactly where you are in your own practice and process is up for you to to judge and to use the teachings rather like uh, medicines and supports rather than as things you've got to learn or accomplish. But things that are actually on your side <laughs> rather than things you've got to kind of climb up to and be able to accomplish in some way yeah. it's, a, it's an offering and I know there are all kinds of uh, strong patterns and programs that we have to, that are very pernicious and difficult that are not entirely under our control we just find ourselves going into these compulsions or panics or dark spaces and uh, so I have a lot of concern for everyone for that Mm. so there's a general map that the Buddha gave in these um, Satipatthana Sutta and these teachings are rather some ways are detailed, but some ways are just kind of sparse. You know, so I just pick up a few, few pieces of this. And what I'd like to talk about today, well, comes from the refrain <coughs> which the Buddha uses, referring to body, feelings, and mind. And this, the four foundations, or actually the four, it means placing mindfulness close up to, is what the Satipatthana means, so placing mindfulness close up to. When you're placing it close up to is, is this affective sense, you know, like the body is affected, it. and feelings are obviously about effect, and mind is an affective thing, mind affected by lust, affected by hate so forth. So it's a sense of being affected that you want to place your mindfulness onto. And naturally that means absolutely it's a mind that has access to goodwill. The whole point of this teaching is to end suffering. You know, it's a real basis of of goodwill. So this is much more important than meditation. You know, whatever we think meditation is, you know, get behind, get back from that, and start with a mind of goodwill towards yourself, towards others, with whatever comes up. You know, and I'm saying this goodwill is really very, very fundamental. Though sometimes we climb out of it. We, we 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 haven't got to that place, I mean, so it's it's quite deep. 
and natural, but we're often more complicated and more built up on top of it. So we think goodwill is something you've got to kind of do all the time. And yeah, you, you can amplify it and extend it, but the basic quality is really as natural. It's like in the body, if you cut your finger, your body doesn't decide whether you deserve to be healed, whether you worked hard enough. <laughs> it just does it. When you, you know, put some food in your belly, the body just goes right ahead and gets working on it. Uh, it just does that, irrespective of any kind of personal comment. So it's goodwill is that like, just like the body seeks to nourish and protect and cure itself. So this this is the the fundamental, effective place that we have. You know, that's there. And when you come into wholeness, then along with a sense of wholeness is that sense. And it's often in this broken up bits that we lose it as your head starts thinking about your heart or your heart starts feels lost not connected to you know well-being or something so this kind of it gets panicky and weird or we get opinions about ourselves you know we live in a head forming opinions about ourselves Um, so this is the kind of broken up state and so this real instinct, you know, to come back into however you are, whatever you're doing, however you are, you know, may this be for your well-being. May this be for suffering, may this be allayed. And whatever you do from that base is going to do you good. You know, so you always can, when you can moderate how you meditate, you know, degree of focus, what you do when you take a break, how you feel about that, whether you expect to be able to keep up a routine day and night relentlessly, or whether you, you know, that's the only standard that's good, you know, or whether it's really much more skillful to be in touch with what's, what's really keeps you whole. Mm. is able to get this basic goodwill happening. Mm. And then if you feel happy in yourself, quite naturally there'll be an inclination to just sit, be quiet and enjoy it. The mind will then, comes into that gathering in that we call meditation, one of a better word. So, a particular refrain in the Satipatthana, he goes through the section on the body, the body doing all kinds of things, starts out with breathing in and out, then contemplates the postures of the body, the movements of the body, the raw flesh and meat and sinews and stuff, bodily parts, body dead, you know, dead bodies, or you know, in various states of decomposition, abides contemplating the body as a body internally, or abides contemplating the body as a body externally, 
or contemplated the body as a body both internally and externally. So internally was practicing anapanasati and um, externally looking at the body from the outside, you might say, both internally and externally is to do with uh, elements, you might say. That is, there's an internal element, which is the feeling, the sense of warmth, pressures and so forth that you experience when you're sitting. Warmth, pressure, solidity, movement. And externally, that is, you know, you can feel the body's in somewhere warm or it's being pressed by something, you know. So the, the arising of the element is dependent upon an internal factor or an external factor. And of course, you can extend this to um, other people's bodies. But notice in this sutra, it never mentions anybody else. It's always, it doesn't say you kind of look at other people's phlegm, mucus, synovial fluid. I've never seen anybody's synovial fluid. Not even my own, actually. <laughs> Anyway, and then contemplation of feeling, same sort of refrain. (coughs) Feelings as feelings internally, feelings as feelings externally, feelings as feelings both internally and and externally. So, and refers to different realms of feeling, what's called, here's traded as worldly and unworldly, worldly in this sense generally means to do with external sense contact. Yeah. And unworldly, remember these are just English translations of particular Pali phrases, so unworldly refers to feelings that are generated really in meditation, such as rapture, ease, joy, or negative feelings, such as... Um, Stress, tension, hindrances, you know, unpleasant feelings are generated not because something's touching you, but because something that your, your mind or your body's bringing up internally, including the experience of meditation, where you can feel very light, buoyant, or sometimes very heavy and oppressed. Contemplating of mind. Um, same phrase, mind as mind internally, mind as mind externally, mind as mind both internally and externally. So, in, in this way, so you could refer to these various mind effects, such as unaffected by Hate, affected by hate, unaffected by hate, exalted or unexalted, and so on. Um, again, you know, this doesn't seem to be referring to the minds of others. Uh, you'd know the minds of others, unless you're, you know, extremely endowed. You can kind of surmise the minds of others. But one thing, you know, you can give it a good, good guess. But the one thing you can know is. The mind, when it's affected by its own ruminations and qualities, the mind, when it's affected by um, external contact, 
seeing something, hearing something, you know. And internally and externally, the mind when it feels in this kind of feedback where it's seeing, when it's seeing something, hearing something, feeling worried about that, you know, see so it's kind of feedback, projecting it out, putting it back in again, you worry about something, you see it out there as he's this or she's that, then you comes back in again. So you get this way in which your mental content keeps regenerating itself. You can call it projection and inter- introjection. As you project out, you know, he's like this or she's like that. You feel bad about it. Feeling bad about it, you see that element in the other person. And you feel, what are you going to do about that, you know? So we get all kinds of things can go on and um, or introjection where you always feel it's yourself everything is going wrong is your problem mm. other people's actions are because of you um, so then you get strong a mind state that's generated from this mixing of the internal and the external and sometimes it's difficult to know which is which you know, are you being obtuse or am I being complicated? You know, <laughs> you know these kinds of things. No, it's it's a mix, isn't it? So when you recognise this, you also see the effective mind and the quality of mind is that it's it retains impressions. These impressions that we we have memory, and more than just conscious memory, we also have kind of we might say emotional or even energetic memory, where you feel slightly anxious with other people, or you feel slightly fluttery with other other folks, or you feel you want to reach out to other people, or you feel you want to withdraw from other people. It's just the hat. It's just the kind of pattern. Some people might say more shy. Some people feel more happy being a bit extroverted. And of course, when you put these two together, there's problems. <laughs> Isn't it? You know, the extroverted people think, why, why is he always moving away? And the shy person thinks, why are they always coming on top of me? You know, so you get these kind of effects. And of course, a lot of this in community, very relevant in community life. Um, and just being able to sense whether any of that well, this is just, there's just this. And, uh, you know, rather than participating in the, in, in the, the spin that causes distress for oneself or for others, is it possible to survey that, you know, with it's just this. And really what is so helpful, I feel, is this cultivation of, Brahma Vihara, goodwill of various kinds. Because mm-hmm. in trying to sort it out, you know, who knows? And so these are really support being able to bear with one's mind, mind states.
And as I've suggested, it's uh, you know, rather than taking up one side against another side, or even trying to fix things one way, make this better, you know, give yourself a pep talk or sort yourself out, just expanding, extending quality of, you know, well, may this be well in various ways over the whole domain. And the aspects of that, aren't there? Goodwill, metta, we might say, is that which wishes to to nourish, to give something. Mm-hmm. The images of a mother suckling a child. The karuna is that which wishes to protect, stop something being damaged or hurt image of a mother standing beside a, a cot, the bed of the child, just making sure everything's okay, making sure that it flies or dangerous creatures don't get on the, the child. And then mudita, the images of appreciation, gladness. You start to see, this is when the mother sees the child growing up, getting strong and taking some pleasure in their beauty, their growth, their intelligence, whatever. You know, the fact that this person is a healthy being growing up. And then Upeka, the equanimity is when able to say, well, you know, you're raised, you're on your own, you know, not dumped, but it's up to you. And um, just being able to kind of survey and be with a person through their ups and downs, but letting them do what they need to do, working out for themselves, but but not dismissing, not inattentive, just this mind that still has that quality of empathy and interest. Mm-hmm. It's a very broad quality. These are the four. And, you know, in... in uh, one reason why we Buddha set up Sangha you know, as a mode of practice is because of the Kalyanamita, the ability for people to generate, to see each other through these eyes. When sometimes we can't see ourselves through those eyes. So to be seen by others in a, who see our goodness or our, our growth or our strength or our pain or whatever and have that response rather than something more aggressive or judgmental. So you know, it's really important quality and faculty to develop to what I can't, you know, do it because I can, you know, but, but I think it's everybody to do it to each other is the, is the training. You know, so it's not like you don't have to be that sort of advanced to be nice, to be decent, to be empathic. But uh, it's, it's more you meditate, the more you really understand how the mind is, and how karma is, and how inheritances are.
and as you to yourself as to others, to others as to yourself. And when you can't do it to your, when you can't do it to yourself, it just doesn't happen. Then try practicing it to others, get the flavour of it, and then maybe you can see yourself as another. You know, what would you do if this was another person? What would you? How would you advise them? Would you tell them to relax? Would you tell them take a walk? Would you tell them, you know? Yes, that's true, but there's also this aspect of what you do. You know, how would you how would you be with them in that way? So this is, you know, because we can do this. The mind can can reflect upon itself and be affected by itself and respond. So knowing there are various levels of response, you know, we have all kinds of thoughts going on, maybe, issues that we've got going for us, future, past, people, things of this nature, what we're going to be doing, what we aren't going to be doing, why is this, that, and that, so forth, topics. And then, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. You try to get, you might say, the fundamental kind of emotional flavoring of any particular mind state. So this feels contracted. So or it feels restless or it feels um, wounded or it feels slightly bristling and aggressive, you know. See these emotional traits and, ah, okay, so what's the response to that? If that's somebody else, and can you make that response something that feels not just an idea, but visceral? You know, actually embodied. So your body feels relaxed, open. So you're not just saying some words. How you meet, sometimes you use that phrase, how you meet yourself. Not talk to yourself, but actually meet yourself. You know how helpful it can be when just somebody, you know, having a difficult time, somebody just, you know, puts their arm around you or something like that. Or, Maybe you don't like that, but it's physically present there, depending on where, how you, how you feel that. Actually, somebody is really an embodied presence there. And so it's actually something that happens in, almost in the nervous system, not just in the head. Then the Buddha also talks about a contracted mind, exalted or contracted so this refers, you see the mind, also as it might say, an energetic basis. So, and we talk about this, we talk about getting wound up, stirred up, agitated, um, oppressed, 
feeling heavy, you know, it's actually referring to quite often quite accurately particular energetic aspects of mind. Mm-hmm. So, and this actually is almost more basic primary than the emotional quality. Sometimes the emotions can be um, unclear or not, not acknowledged. So one feels one's not being angry, just being correct and to the point, <laughs> and accurate, things like that. Or, you know, but then you feel what's happening in your body, you feel kind of tight and bristly, and oh, wait a minute. Or you feel you're not feeling sad, but you notice what's you know that you actually feel quite deflated, physically, not much juice there, which sunken in your chest or in your abdomen. So, so the, the mind also has this energetic quality, and then it's where it really you're working at almost on a bodily level helps extending from the difficult places that one feels in one's bodily sense to the places where it feels more comfortable. I like smoothing it out, massaging it. Because these are not, they're not, uh, in my experience, they're not just push a button and everything changes. Particularly when they're strong programs and patterns of you know anxiety panic things of this nature you don't just flick um, you have to be eased by steady presence and in the whole body whether it's in coming internally externally or both of the mix-up, but so it's not really about even finding out where or why or how or what if. It's very much present moment. You know, there is this, and easing that. And it's so often said, um, very common tray is um, being overcritical. You know, I think there's a strong program in us to perform well, to get the good results. And yeah, it has its has its good side to it, but um, often doesn't know how to go about, you know, 
growing that. It's like you can't get a tomato seed and say, okay, let's make salad. You've got to plant it and grow it. So, that you always put the nourishing, however small the seed is. And if the seed is small, you say, look, the soil is good. The potential is here. And you, you pay attention to the basic goodness which we have, which is a, might say, fundamentally a sense of conscience and concern, a sense of empathy, a sense of um, sincerity. Mm-hmm. And pay attention. And uh, that's the seed. So it always comes how we cultivate, is the word the Buddha used. Didn't really even use the word meditate, how we cultivate, grow the seed. And if it comes down to it, if it's more important to cultivate than to meditate, 